All right. Good morning, good morning, good morning. Are we ready for this? Yes. Awesome. Probably can change the camera a little bit. I'm shorter than Sam. Would you believe it? Um, Hey, so we are in the book of... We are in the book of Luke. Um, I'm not that. A little bit. All right, there we go. And you can zoom in a little bit, too, if you want to. Thank you. Um, So we're in the book of Luke, experiencing the real Jesus. And we've been digging through stuff. Last week, Sam talked about Thanksgiving being the hot sauce. Who was here for that, right? Um, So he was talking about, like, it seasons our life when we choose to be thankful, right? And that's perfect for this week as, you know, Thanksgiving was this week and all that kind of stuff. And, and uh, we want to have a thankful heart. We're going to continue. We only have t- this Sunday and next Sunday left in this part of the series. Then we jump into Christmas. I mean, it already looks like Christmas, right? Uh, I'm thankful for Sarah, for, um, for Paula, for Sandy, for Maya, for those that helped decorate all this stuff. It looks beautiful, doesn't it? Can we, we can say thank you to them for, for making this place look uh, festive for the season. So... Um, if you can hear my voice, I have a little bit of a cold, all right? So I'm going to do my best to preach and, um, and keep my voice um, going as we do this. Um, so this morning, we are in Luke chapter 18 and 19. So if you have your Bibles, open up your Bibles with me. The book of Luke, Matthew, Mark, Luke, third book of the New Testament, and um, one of the Gospels that we're learning about who this Jesus was. And today, um, we're going to continue in that, learning about who Jesus uh, was, okay? So we'll get there in just a minute. Uh, let me ask you this question, especially when you get to like Christmas holiday season, like who in here as an adult wish that you could be a kid again? Anybody wish you could be a kid again? Like some of you are like, yes, like I wish I could be a kid again, because there's, there's an innocence when you're a kid. There's, there's a lot of firsts you get to experience in life when you're a kid that you'll never get that back, right? You'll never get that wow moment, that whoa kind of a thing. Like I'm thinking about kids like the first time they eat sugar, right? Like a first time you see, or some of you are cruel and you give your like baby a pickle, right? And it's like you get that first like like, what was that? Or, or sometimes it's surprising. The kid's like, this is wonderful. You know, like, ah, they're happy about it. I don't know. Like, all those different kind of first kind of experiences as a kid, as a baby, as a child. And um, I remember our, uh, our middle son, Nat, one of his first things uh, on his first birthday was the very first time he ever tasted sugar. I think we have a picture of Nat with Nikki. So this was a long time ago, right? So this <laughs> isn't he adorable. He's just like a chubby cheek smiley kid all the time. Um, but that was the cake that was just for him, and we had our own cake. So one year old, that cake, right? And so he never had sugar before. He's looking at it like, this looks like a party right here in front of me. And then we sat it down in front of him, and this is what happened. Next picture. It was gone, right? <clears throat> he's like, where has this been my whole life? You know, he's like, you have been holding out on me with mushed peas and carrots and whatever else you've been feeding me. This is amazing. Actually, Nat, one of his first sentences, like his first words were like mom and dad, mommy and daddy, that kind of thing. But his first sentence was more cake. That was his, one of his first sentences, honestly. Um, so he learned quick, you know, what cake was all about. Um, like there's things like that when you're a kid, like that first, like, whoa, you got to experience that for the first time, that awe, that wonder, that, that joy. Um, you know, as kids, we have so much creativity and so much energy and so much wonder and excitement. And the thing is that life beats us out of us, doesn't it? Like the older you get, the more you go through life, um, like that wonder, that all that creativity, like there are things that steal it from us. And then you get old and adult and you're like, well, I just don't do that anymore. Like before you used to love playing with Play-Doh, right? And you love with crayons, and you love eating glue, like all sorts of good stuff in life. Um, we got any glue eaters? Just, just wondering. We'll do an IQ test later. Let's see what. That was, that was mean. I didn't mean that. Um, <clears throat> again, I have a cold. I'm, I'm, excuse whatever it comes out of my mouth. Um, 
right? But, but the thing is that life comes along, right? School happens, and all of a sudden peer pressure starts kicking into gear. Um, bullies show up. Um, pain starts entering and starts to steal our innocence, our creativity, our wonder and awe of things. And it's a bummer, right? It's a bummer. And the older you get, the more things you go through, the more that kind of gets suppressed more and more and more. Just that creativity on wonder gets suppressed because life happens. Actually, we were talking to our teaching team, and Sam, who preached last week, he was talking about um, one of his favorite boots were his Buzz Lightyear boots. Until he got to school, and all of a sudden, like, he was starting to get made fun of. And he's like, well, I used to love these boots, but now I can't wear them because that peer pressure comes in. It's like, so what? Love your Buzz Lightyear boots, right? Like, still wear them today, Sam. I dare you, right? Like, still— you know, bust them out. And, and, uh, but that's the thing, right? That's what happens in life. It kind of gets sucked out of our life. See, with kids, the thing that's crazy with kids, kids can't wait to be grown-ups, right? Like when you're a kid, you're like, I can't wait just to be a grown-up. And then when you're a grown-up, what can't you wait to be? A kid. You wish you were a kid again, right? So like we hurry up to become an adult just so that we can wish that we were a kid again. It's like, ah, why does that happen? Why do we go through all those things and, and have that tension and that struggle? And, 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 um, and we lose that awe, wonder, that creativity, that, uh, that excitement kind of for life um, as we go through it. Um, this last week, last weekend, just so you know where our family was, um, <clears throat> Nikki, myself, Nat, and Luke were on a band trip of the Triway Band to Walt Disney World. So it was, you know, just us and our small family of 76 kids in, a, in two buses with, you know, I don't know how many adults we had, 12, 13 adults as chaperones. And Nikki and I were some of those chaperones. We got to—it was such a blast. We get a 21-hour bus ride overnight, you know, down to Orlando. Woohoo! I couldn't wait. Came back with a cold, y'all. Like, like, we lost sleep. We lost all sorts of stuff. But the cool thing is we got to experience so many cool things with these kids. Some of these kids don't go anywhere. And this is like the first time they went anywhere. Like, they got to see something like this and experience it. And even some of the chaperones, they had never been, like, to, like, Disney. How many of you, just so I know, how many of you ever been to Disney World, Disneyland, any kind of Disney experience? Okay, a good handful of you. If you haven't, it's okay. Um, there's no judgment. But there's something that happens when you go into a Disney park. And as an adult, you're not ready for it because there is a true thing called the Disney magic. When you go into the Disney park and all of a sudden you see the characters and all of a sudden you see, hear this music start to play and all of a sudden, like, everything's like, we're all friends. And then it's like, all of a sudden, like, everything's great. Like, you get emotional. Emotions start coming in. You're like, where did that come from? And uh, one of the chaperones, one of the ladies that was with us, one of the moms, was in our group. Our group was one of the biggest groups. We have like 29 in our group. So I'm leading 29 of us, adults and students, all throughout these parks on one of the busiest weekends because it was a holiday weekend, right? Oh, Lord, help me, right? So, like, we did it. Everybody survived. Nobody died. It was beautiful, okay? So, like, we got through it. Um, <clears throat> but it was so cool seeing some of the adults experience some of this stuff for the first time. This one mom, she had never been. She'd always dreamt about going to Disney, seeing it, all that kind of stuff. Her favorite character was Goofy. Like, she just wanted to see Goofy. And, like, that's a voice I can do. So I was having fun with the kids. Like, gosh, we're going to go see Goofy. You know, like, all this fun stuff. And then, like, Mickey, it's like, oh, boy. You know, that kind of thing. And so, like, I'm doing voice. We're having fun. And then we ride some rides in the Magic kingdom was the last day and then we go up to the castle right before a show is about to start and we know what's going to happen we've been to disney we've seen it like the music starts it gets loud all of a sudden minnie and mickey come out and, and they're like it's friends day you know like so it's like all about friends and friends coming together and all of a sudden goofy comes out and i'm watching this mom right grown mom 40 something year old mom and she can't contain herself right she's like ah! 
like all of a sudden the tears are flowing and she's like I didn't know this was going to happen and the emotions are just going I'm like welcome to Disney Magic they know what they're doing they're they're like they get to your soul you know the emotions and, and like the storytelling and the like I feel safe here and like all of that stuff comes up and out and it's like as an adult you can just become a kid all of a sudden that's why adults like going to Disney it's don't go with your toddlers here's just some advice they're not going to remember it, and it's going to be expensive, right? And it's going to be like, wait till they can remember it, and then take them and see, I paid for it, you remember, right? Like, yeah. amen, can I get amen? All right. <clears throat> so, but, but like adults that go, and all of a sudden they feel that, that emotion, they feel that kid-like, that creativity, that wonder, that awe of like, whoa, this feels real. So this is what we saw, just real quick. This is a first picture of the big castle, right? It's 50th anniversary of Disney, so everything was beautiful. Everything was like even Christmassy. I've never been there when it's Christmassy. And so you see all the characters down there. Here's a zoomed-in picture. So here they are, and here's Goofy, and they're like, welcome, you know, like, and, and it is. It's a mo- I, I get teared up, I'm telling you. The fireworks show at the end, if you've ever been to that, we saw this one. It's the biggest one they've ever done. And still the moment, on the very top of that castle, there's this little door that opens up, and Tinkerbell comes out, and it's all, she's all lit up, and she zip lines from the top of the castle to some building somewhere. I don't know where it is, but it's this magical moment, like, you believe, woo, and then it's like, meh, you know, like, you're just, like, crying, like, I believe, you know, I believe. Like, it's, a, it's emotional, and there's just awe and wonder attached to it, and, and that's just Disney, Right? They just know what they're doing. They make a lot of money doing what they're doing. They know exactly what they're doing to pull our heartstrings. And, and, but there's something inside of us as adults that still want to be kids. We still want to feel those things for the first time. We, we still want to have that awe and wonder and all that kind of stuff. But the reality is sometimes even in our relationship with God, we lose it. Right? Because even in our relationship with God, we may start with God, but then life slaps us upside the head. Or like something bad happens and we start to lose it. And here's my first point. Fill in the blank real quick. This is what God wants. God wants us to live with an awe and wonder in a relationship with him. To have that childlike awe and wonder of who God is, of what he's done for us. And this isn't just like that Disney emotional thing. This is like an assuredness thing inside of us. We know who God is. We know what he's done for us. And it should well up this sense of like, wow, God, you did that for me? I mean, I get to be in the party in heaven? Like, I get to join in that party? You gotta be kidding me. That's gonna be way better than Disney World, just so you know. Like, it's gonna be way better than any emotional. It's gonna be with God forever in perfection. And God wants us to live with this awe and wonder in a relationship with him. And that's where we're going this morning in Luke chapter 18. So if if you wanna be in Luke chapter 18, I'm kinda gonna skip around a little bit. I'm going to skip around. So we're going to start in verse 15 in this whole idea, okay? All right, so if you're with me in Luke chapter 18, say, yeah. yeah. Okay, here we go. So this, is, this was a scene that was happening, and we're going to see what happened right before this. But Jesus is hanging around. Lots of people are coming to him. The disciples are trying to, like, figure out what this Jesus is doing. They're trying to protect him from people who might be a nuisance and all sorts of things. So they're, like, kind of trying to be the bodyguards and figuring it all out. And, and this is what it, what, what's happening in the scene. So people were also bringing babies to Jesus for him to place his hands on them. And when the disciples saw this, they rebuked them. What? Like the disciples are, they're trying to be helpful. They think they're being helpful. Have you ever thought you're being helpful, but you weren't? 
Sometimes we, we try to help Jesus with stuff, and he's like, I didn't need your help with that one. You know, like, like sometimes we get in his way when he's trying to like clear path, and, and the disciples were learning and figuring that out, and we have to learn and figure that stuff out, right? And so, so here they are. They're, they're like rebuking these kids. Like, Jesus has more important things, but Jesus called the children to him. He's like, no, 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 come to me. He, and, and he said, let the little children come to me, and do not hinder them. Why? For the kingdom of God belongs to such as these Truly, I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. That's a big statement. So he's trying to teach his disciples something. They're like, you're trying to like make sure the kids like, you know, they're not bothering me. They're not like that one's snotty. That one's crying. That one's whatever. Like, keep them. We don't want those kids. You know, keep them. He's like, no, 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 no. You need to understand how the kingdom of heaven works, disciples. You need to understand what it looks like. Because if you, as a disciple, he's talking to them, if you as a disciple, you're following me, if you don't come to me like these children, with that kind of faith, that kind of just abandonment, that, like self-abandonment, like I, like I just want to run to him, like I just want to be on his lap, I want to be near him. If you don't come like that, you're not going to in, inherit the kingdom of heaven. That's what he said. It's like, whoa, that's a big deal. A statement of, of like this, if anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. Like, if he's talking about us getting into heaven, like, we better have our antenna up, right? Like, whoa, that's a big deal. That's a big statement. And he, what he's trying to paint the picture for them, <clears throat> as an adult, so often we overthink, right? As an adult, we, um, we excuse away things, and, and what Jesus is telling him is like, no, 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 no. You come to me with a childlike faith. That's how you come to me. It's not with like logic. It's not like, well, it's got to be this and this and this and this. And, and, and like, it's, it's kind of on my terms. And when I come to God, and he's like, you're missing it. You're missing it. This is, this is why he says fill in the blank here. Okay, you can fill in the blank on this one. He's calling us to childlike faith. And this is what childlike faith is. Childlike faith is living in full dependence on our Heavenly Father. That's what childlike faith is. You think about children, right? Like, like young kids can't do anything on their own, right? They shouldn't be doing anything on their own. They should have parents who are helping them learn how to live life and taking care of their needs and making sure they have what they need, whether it's just the essential and basics. You got food, water, and a shelter, right? Like, I'm here, I'm your parent, I'm making sure those things are happening, and I'm also going to bring you some joy. I'm going to bring you some happiness. I'm going to give you some gifts. I'm gonna, like, as a parent, you're there to meet the needs and take care of a child. So a child's full dependency is upon the parent, right? The younger the child, the more the dependency. So if you have an infant, like, an infant can't do anything, I mean, they're just sitting there eating, burping, pooping, throwing up, right? That's all they're doing. They need an adult to say, let me take care of that. <laughs> let me clean up that mess. Let me change that poopy diaper. Let's, let, let me feed you. Let me, like full dependence. And this is what he's talking. He's saying this, if you don't come to the kingdom of heaven with that kind of childlike dependence upon God, knowing that you are not dependent upon you to get to heaven, are you with me? That's what he's saying. This is this picture of childlike faith. He's saying to us as Christ followers, if you know Christ, that, that we should be content and happy in our dependence on God for all of our needs, especially our need for the kingdom of heaven. We cannot be self-dependent or self-reliant 
to get us to heaven. It doesn't work. And so he's making an example. The kid's running to him. He said, if you can't come like this kid who's like just full abandoned, like I don't care what anybody else is thinking, I'm going to Jesus, right? I'm, I'm not worried. I'm in awe and wonder of who this is, and I'm just going to him. I don't care what that person thinks about me, or that person, or that person, or that Like, I'm just coming to him because I see kingdom of heaven with him, and I'm with him because I want to be in the kingdom of heaven. That's full abandonment, full dependence. You with me? And that's what he's saying. Like, we need to walk with this childlike faith. We are dependent on God for our spiritual growth, for our salvation. For Well, we're dependent on him for everything. For our physical needs, we're dependent upon God, right? He's the one that provides. He provides you even the ability to work, it says in Scripture. Like, he provides all the things for us. And when we walk in that childlike faith saying, God, I trust you. Now, I would not call it blind trust, right? Blind trust is a little different. Blind trust is like, well, I really don't know anything, but I'm just going to jump. Like, that's stupidity, right? Because you might be jumping in something that isn't God or around God. Like, you still have a brain. You still can think. You can still reason. But when it comes to your dependence, you're reasoning that my dependence is only on God. So I would call it educated faith. I would call it faith in the right thing, not blind faith. You with me? Okay. So he's calling us to childlike faith. And there is, we need to very clearly understand this, there is a big difference, though, between childlike and childish. Okay? I want you to hear this very loudly and clearly. Because childlike and childish. So let me talk about childish. What it means to be childish. We're not supposed to have childish faith. Childish faith, when you think about somebody who's childish, Honestly, you can use that word for a grown-up or a kid, can't you? Have you seen some childish adults, right? Like, okay, no point, all right? Uh, <clears throat> and you can, have, you can have some mature kids, right, who, who are childlike but not childish. When I think about childish, this is, this is what I think about. Somebody who says it's, it's really it's about me. It's about what I want. It's, it's, it's a sense of immaturity. There's typically a lot of whining and complaining with somebody who's child, childish, right? It, it, it all bottoms the bottom line is it's selfishness is what childishness is. To be childish is to be selfish. And, and we know that with kids, they can get that way. Well, I don't like that, or I don't want that. You bought me that. It's not the right one. Blah, 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 blah. Right? Whining, complaining. It's about them, what they want, what they need, what they think they need. It's usually not about what they need, right? It's what they want, what they desire, the way they think it should go. And that's, that's childish. If you have a childish faith, you have a selfish faith. A childish faith is, God, I shouldn't be going through a hard time right now because I have faith in you, and I think because I have my faith in you, you should fix everything all the time. That's, that's a self-centered faith because it's, at that point, it's about you. It's not about God. You with me? Because when you're, when you're being selfish, it's like, why is this happening? Why? It's okay to ask, why is this happening? But if all you're saying is, why is this happening, with an accusatory pointing at God and a whining all the time, like, why, why, why? I don't like this. I don't like that. Or you go to a church and you're like, I don't like the way they do this. I don't like the way they do that. Sorry. You may be selfish in your faith. You may be childish in your faith. Childlike is different, okay? See, childlike, having a childlike faith is actually walking with humility. It's being humble. It's, it's, it's walking with a sense of wonder, like, 
like, when, when you live with wonder, you're always looking for something good, you know? Like, if you're living in wonder in life, it's like, okay, what good's going to happen next? I wonder what he's going to do next. I wonder how this is going to work out. I know it's tough right now, but I wonder what he's going to do to work this out. I don't know. Like, that's what wonder does. It's not me. It's, okay, God, I, I'm trusting you in this situation. I'm, I'm going to have childlike faith that I'm going to live with wonder. I wonder. I'm in wonder of you. I live with awe when God shows up, and then I, and I live with thankfulness that we talked about last week, that I have a thankful heart, a thankful attitude continually about what I do have and what God has gifted me. And when I live with a childlike faith, I trust in the safety in God's presence. Even when it goes south, that is the difference between childlike and childish. If you become a Christ follower, you will become a child in Christ, meaning you will be immature in your faith when you become a new Christian, right? There's things you don't know yet, and so you're going to continue to stumble on things that you're like, I didn't know I wasn't supposed to do that, and now I'm learning there's consequences to that, and that God's trying to help me grow from that thing. And and so you go on that journey of like moving out of childish to become more childlike, but that's a process and a journey. That's what we're called to do. We are called to continue to grow in knowledge, grow in wisdom, grow in understanding, to grow in the spiritual disciplines and continue to walk with a childlike faith and awe and wonder of what God is doing and what he's done for us. Are you all with me? Okay, is this making sense? And so when Jesus is saying, don't hinder the kids, actually, those that don't come to me with that attitude don't get to heaven. He's saying, you need to have a childlike faith, an awe and wonder, a humility in the presence of God. Because it's those that enter the kingdom of heaven. It's those that heaven is waiting for. We see this actually played out, I'm not going to read it in chapter 19 though, with the story of Zacchaeus, right? Zacchaeus um, is a wee little man. And and anybody grow up in church in Sunday school? All right. So if you didn't, that's okay. It's okay. That was the song we sang about the story about Zacchaeus. And, and the thing with Zacchaeus, he was, he was a short guy and, um, and he made a lot of money and he was a tax collector, right? And so he was wealthy. <clears throat> <coughs> Sorry, excuse me. And, and Jesus was coming to his town and he's like, I'm curious about this Jesus. And he starts to act like this, like childlike because he hikes up his robe and he runs and he climbs a tree. Grown men don't do that, Right? He's like, I want to see Jesus. I'm going to act like a kid to go see this Jesus. And this Jesus shows up, and he's like, <laughs> Jesus points to him and says, hey, uh, I'm coming to your house for lunch, right? Like, Jesus is brilliant. Maybe I should invite myself over more often to other people's house. It'd be like Christ, right? Be like Christ. Um, I'm coming to your house to eat. All right, uh, what are you making? All right. <clears throat> but he, so he invites himself to Zacchaeus' house, and then he experiences all these other sinners and tax collectors. They're hanging out with him, and all of a sudden something happens to Zacchaeus. What happens? He changes. He gets in the presence of Jesus. He no longer cares about what that circle of sinners that he's hanging out with or the people out there is thinking about. He had, already, he had already acted childlike to climb the tree to see this Jesus. And now he's like, do you know what? I've been wrong. I've been doing this wrong. And he changed, right? He was still childlike, but he changed. He gave back. He made recompense to the people that he stole from. He gave back what he took. And he's like, I'm doing all that. When you experience Jesus, you can still be a childlike, but you can still grow. You will be changed in his presence. You with me? If you stay spiritually childish, how do I finish that sentence? If you stay spiritually childish, and it still is all about you, I would wonder, 
if you've truly experienced the salvation that only comes from our Heavenly Father. Because when you truly know and understand you have been forgiven, it should have the tendency to make you stop whining and turn your heart to thanksgiving. So if you find yourself as a spiritual whiner, a complainer, selfishly motivated, I'm going to say examine your own heart. Because then we're going to look at the next part of this. Um, Because Jesus continues to expose the hearts of the people he's teaching. That's what he does the whole time. He's like exposing their hearts. And they're like, some of them liked it, some of them didn't like it, right? Some of them are like, oh, this Jesus keep following. Some are like, ah, that's too much for me. I can't do it. And they walked away, right? It's still the same today. Some of our lines get crossed and we're like, no, can't go that far with you, Jesus. And some of us say, no, I'm following you wherever you take me. It's the difference between childlike and childish. So, so let's keep reading. We're going to actually go backwards now to, to verse 9, okay? So verse 9. <clears throat> Excuse me. So in verse, verse 9, we see that Jesus is actually, at this point, he's, he's hanging around the Jews, kind of the, the Pharisees, and he's having a conversation. And, um, and in this conversation, um, he saw the hearts of those that he was hanging around with, and he's like, I got to talk about this. You know, and when Jesus like got to that point where he was like, I got to talk about this, it's like, you better listen, right? <clears throat> Sorry, excuse me. <clears throat> so this is, this is where he's at. So Jesus is, is uh, going to talk here. About so, so to some who are confident of their own righteousness and look down on everyone else, Jesus told this parable. <laughs> That's a great start to the verse, right? It's like for those that thought they had it all together, he's like, okay, let me tell you a story. You know, he's like, and that's what a parable is. A parable is a fic- fictional story that has a, um, a, a kingdom lesson, all right? And that's what Jesus is doing. He's going to, here, let me paint you a picture of what the kingdom of heaven looks like. And so he says, two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. Now, right away, the, the, Jewish, uh, the Jews that were listening to this would already have an opinion about these two characters, right? They'd already have an opinion of Pharisees going up to the temple to pray. Like, yeah, that's what, that's what Pharisees do. That's what they're supposed to do. They're leaders. They lead the church. They're part of the deal. Like, they would go. This is what they do. And they say, and the tax collector went, like, wait a minute. Like, again, it's, it's like the moment they hear the word tax collector, it's like they turn and spit. Like, tax collectors, right? Yeah. And so, so that's the characters Jesus is starting to tell a story about. So the Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I am not like other people, the robbers, the evildoers, the adulterers, or even like this tax collector. <laughs> Jesus is not pulling any punches with these guys, right? He says, and he's like, I fast twice a week and I give a tenth of all I get. So right away, what are you hearing with this Pharisee who came to the temple? I, 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 right? It's all I, I, I. Like, look at me. I'm glad I'm not like him or them or them or those. And, and, and I do the right thing. I come and I pray and I give, I tithe, you know, of everything I got. Like, look what I'm doing. And the Jews would have been like, yeah. <laughs> like, those, the Pharisees standing there and be like, absolutely. I'm glad I'm not. I'm, they would have been connecting with this guy, okay? This Pharisee. But the tax collector, Well, he stood at a distance, and he would not even look up to heaven, but he beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. (laughs) 
I tell you, Jesus says, I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Jesus just gave them the one-two punch. Because they lived with religion. They lived with the religion acts. They, they, They did the stuff that they thought they were supposed to do in order to be a good Jew, a good Pharisee. I go to the temple, I tithe, my sleeves and I, and I do all the things I'm supposed to do and the thing is they did it all very religiously and then Jesus is looking right at him and says the tax collector who stood far off and said have mercy on me is the one that was justified oh that made them angry have you guys noticed the pattern between the Pharisees and Jesus have you been reading the book of Luke he does something good, they want to kill him. He does something good, they want to kill him. They, what? And so I'm sure they're furious at this moment and very angry. I want you to understand a very key word that he says. Um, I tell you that this man, so the sinner, the tax collector, the one that they would spit upon, rather than the other, the Pharisee, the religious, went home justified. Went home justified. This is what justified means. It means to be rendered just, to be innocent, or to be righteous. So the tax collector sinner, the one that's the worst tax collector, went home before the presence of God, rendered just, innocent, and righteous before the kingdom of heaven. The one that was religious and thought he had it all together and was grateful that he wasn't like that person and that person and that person and did the right things was not. Do you hear that clearly? Was not forgiven, was not justified, was not innocent, was not righteous before the kingdom of heaven. You see this theme all through Jesus' teachings. He's trying to get everybody's attention of what the kingdom of heaven is really like And we still struggle today with this tension of religion versus relationship. Of a God who paid it all rather than a guy who has to earn it all. That tension still exists. And we still live in it today. See, you can try to justify yourself all day long to God. God, I'm a good person. God, I try to do the right things. I try to do, I, I was nice to that person. Um, I paid it forward at Starbucks. I, bu- I bought their coffee. Did you see that one? That ding, ding, ding. Did that give me a sticker in heaven? Like, right? I, I put a little bit in the red bucket to that Salvation Army thing. Did you see that, God? And God's like, yeah, I saw it, but I don't know what you're trying to prove. The motive, right, is the issue. The Pharisees' motive was wrong. They were doing it out of a heart of pride. It was about them. It was about what they did, what they looked like. It was the I, I, I statements. You can try your best to justify yourself by your actions to God, but it'll never get you to the kingdom of heaven. It won't even get you close to the kingdom of heaven. You see, the only way to get to the kingdom of heaven is to humble yourself. Childlike faith, right? Like, I know there's no way that I can get there on my own by anything I do. 
And so when I stand in the presence of God, I say, God, I know I'm a sinner. Every time I come before you, I know I'm a sinner. Like today, I messed up. I sinned. I, I know I did. I did something. Even if I don't remember doing it, I know I did it. Whether it's something I thought, something I looked at, something I said, something like we are not perfect and we cannot earn our way to heaven or the kingdom of heaven or to God. We cannot justify ourselves. This is what pride does. You can fill in the blank. Pride gives excuses for sin and leads to self-righteousness. That's where the Pharisees were. That's what pride does. Pride gives excuses for sin. Like in their pride, they're saying, God, I'm glad I'm not like that person or that person or that person. In reality, their sin right there is judgmentalism, right? They're judging the other people. And it's like, well, your, your attitude is wrong. You're sinning against that person as you're talking about them. And so you're excusing your own sin in the process of comparing yourself to their sin. There will, be al- there will always be somebody for you to compare yourself to. Always. And that's what they were good at. They were comparing themselves to other people who weren't like them. And that type of pride excuses, it gives excuses for sin and leads to self-righteousness. That's, that's what he was attacking with them. He's like, you guys are self-righteous. You think you have it in yourself to be right with God. That's self-righteousness. And you think you're good enough to get to God by your rightness, but you will never be justified by God with your own righteousness. It can't happen. Humility is what we see in the other guy, in the sinner, in the tax collector. Humility confesses sin. I mean, in humility, we recognize our sin. And we say, here is how I'm sinning, God. I see it. I know it. I feel it. I, I know I did it. I it confesses. It doesn't hold back and excuse me. Like, well, that wasn't that bad. Or I'm, I'm sure they didn't take it that way. Or I'm sure when I, like, were scrolling and looked a little too long at that picture, that wasn't a big deal, right? Like, like we excuse no humility says God I shouldn't have looked at that for that long there was something that tempted me in that and I'm forgive me right like humility confesses sin and then it leads to what God's righteousness which righteousness I'm working hard this morning which righteousness do you want when you enter the kingdom of heaven Yours or God's? <laughs> and yet we try in our own. Right? We live in that tension. This, this is the land of comparison. <clears throat> okay? Let me talk about comparison for a moment. Comparison, it's the heart of self-justification is comparing ourselves to others, right? We, we can self-justify our own actions when we compare ourselves to somebody else's actions that are not as good as our actions. That is how comparison works. Oh, it's always been this way. I think it'll be this way until Jesus comes back. Like, that's what we do in religion, even like those who are not with God, when they think about karma, like, well, you did bad, you're going to get bad. You did good, you're going to get good. Like that whole concept, like we still live under this, under this umbrella of like comparison. And, and, and comparison leads to self-justification when we do that. When we uh, live in comparison, it's religion, right? Religious, the religious become fixated on rules and comparison, and that's what was happening with the Pharisees. They fixed their eyes on the laws and on others, not in humility with God and on wonder. When you fix your eyes on the wrong thing, you're going to get the wrong thing. When you're living religiously and you fix your eyes on the laws, the rules, 
and the lines, you start to live in a way to try to keep in the laws, the rules, and the lines, and then compare yourself to those that aren't. I've seen this my whole life. I grew up in church. I was a pastor's kid. And I've seen people get so narrow that they exclude those that are coming with a childlike faith. They're like, but you don't look like me. You don't smell like me. You got tattoos on you. You, you smell like smoke. Like you smell like you've already been to hell. Like, like, you know, so like they judge and they like point fingers. Like you're not like us. Where's your suit? Where's your tie? You can't come to our church. Like, what are you thinking? Like, these are our rules. This is how we roll. This is how we operate. You got to look, sound, think like us. That's religion, right? That's self-justification. And so we live in comparison. That's the extreme, but we still do it even in, in the minor things still today. With us, all of us in the room, like New Hope Church, we say come as you are, and we mean that, right? And so, like, it's awesome. You all came just as you are, right? Some of you showered. Great. Fantastic, right? <clears throat> I'll stop there. So, <coughs> right? But we, like, we, we come just as we are. And we want to do that, but even when we come as we are, sometimes we still can be judgmental to somebody else. We have to check our own hearts here. Are we living in comparison? Or, are, and are we looking at the laws, the rules? We got Are we looking at mercy? Are we looking at forgiveness? Are we looking at God's justification and his righteousness and his forgiveness for people, for me and for them? We need to be careful in this land of comparison because I do not want us ever to become the religious few that send the multitude away. This is what you need to understand about God. This isn't a fill in the blank, but, but God isn't a thing to be studied or an idea to be torn apart. That's religion. When God is just a thing or an idea or the, the scriptures are just like, I gotta like meticulously like every, every, like I'm not saying don't study your scripture. Study your scripture. Know the Bible. But when you become religious and pride driven in it, You've moved away from where God is in the middle of the gospel, right? That God isn't a thing to be studied or an idea to be torn apart, but he is a person to love. And he loves it when people come to him with all their mess, with all their brokenness, with all their pain, with all their hurt, with all their doubts, with all their worries, and says, here I am, God. Help me. Forgive me. I know I'm messing up, but uh, people are hurting me too. Help me forgive them. Help me. When you come to him as the person, the heavenly father who's done everything for you, for you to be justified before him, when you come to him in humility with a childlike faith, awe and wonder that even you can be saved in his presence. It should help you daily walk in the presence of God in humility. See, in the presence of God, you're either humble or you're about to be. You've heard me say that before. I'd rather go humble. Just like he said, those <clears throat> that are first will be last. And those who are last will be first. The kingdom of heaven is upside down. I'd rather go humble than go and be humbled. I'd rather go with childlike faith rather than childish faith. I'd rather live with awe and wonder and thankfulness 
of what God has done for me than blaming him for what he hasn't done. You with me? And so this is, that's all I got this morning. That's it. I have five more minutes. I don't know. What do you guys want to do? I'll tell you what we're going to do. This is what we're going to do. We're going to spend some time with this God. And we're going to let him just look into our hearts just for a little bit. And, And I want you to let him examine your own heart. And I want you to ask him a question. Not me a question, not the person. I want you to ask him a question. And this is the question I want you to ask him. God, where is pride hindering my relationship with you? Just ask him that question. And let him reveal stuff. Be open to what he might say or or how he might lead you or what the Holy Spirit might work in you. Like, whatever that is, like, let him do that and let him, like, work in that. And then the second question would be like this, God, where can I grow in my childlike faith? Like, ask him that question. Where can I grow? How can I be more dependent on you, God, and less dependent on me? And see what he says. And so let's just take a moment. I'm, just, I'm really, I'm going to pray, and then I'm just going to leave silence. And then I'm going to talk to those of you in this room who don't know Christ yet, okay? And then we're going to respond in worship, okay? So let's take that time. Just bow your head. Let's just be with God. <coughs> Excuse me. God, in this moment, as, as we're just gathered together, I believe this is a holy moment. For some in this room, this, this is a, a moment where, where, where we want to hear from you. We, we want you to speak to our hearts, and we know that you can, and we know that you do, and we know that your spirit is alive and active and true and real. And, and I pray in this moment that you would help us um, to, just to humble ourselves. So God, first, show us where pride is in the way. And second, Show us where we need to grow in our dependence with childlike faith. Holy Spirit, just just a few moments. Holy Spirit, just please speak to us. So let's just stay quiet just for a moment. If you don't know this Jesus yet, if you don't know God yet, I would encourage you today to start a relationship with him. We know that when we confess that Jesus is the Son of God, that he died on the cross for our sins, that's the penalty of sin is death, but he paid for it. And then he conquered death itself and rose again so that we can have life now and life forever, like, you confess that, you believe it in your heart, you'll be saved. If you just come to him with that childlike faith, like, God, I know I can't do it. I'm, now I'm trusting you to do it. Forgive me. And we know by the promises of Scripture that he forgives you and you are forgiven. 
<clears throat> just like that tax collector walked away justified and right before God, you too can do that. And if you want that, I'm going to ask you to pray right now. Okay? And it's your prayer. There's no magic prayer of the pastor. I can't get into heaven. I can't do that. It's only you. It's only your confession to Jesus Christ. And so if that's you, you can pray right now. You can say, God, please forgive me of my sins. I know I can't be good enough to get to you and to get to heaven. And so I'm confessing that Jesus died on the cross for my sins, that he made the way for me to be with you so I can be forgiven, and that he rose again and he's alive and I can be alive in your presence now and be with you for eternity in heaven. And right now, God, I'm confessing Jesus is my only salvation. And in this moment, God, I give you my life. I give you all that I am. I ask for your forgiveness because I know I'm a sinner. And I confess this in the name of Jesus alone that I pray. Amen. <clears throat> Listen, if you, if you make any decision on Sundays,